Hi, thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. How, how, how are you all doing? Great, good. Good to hear. How are you doing, Doug? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> there we go, there we go. Are you, I'm oddly conflicted. I'm oddly conflicted. You know, it gets to this time every year, and I just wish that things would slow down, that time would start to stand still. You know, my birthday's in early June, and I know, oh, as soon as I hit my birthday, well, we're in June already, and now we're hitting that stage where the kids are out of school, and, and, and that just means that we're all the way almost to July, which means that, well, then it's August, and then it's September, and then it's summer's over, right? So I've, I'm just wishing that summer would slow down. But at the same time, I just can't wait for July the 11th. So I'm trying to move this whole thing forward two weeks. If we can just go two weeks faster, we'd be that much better. So I am betwixt and between, oddly disconcerted by this whole thing, but looking forward to July the 11th. Actually, also looking forward to this morning. Uh, we're, we're coming into uh, a landing for a landing on our series on prayer, Ready, Set, Go. And we've been trying to build on some things over the last number of months, looking at the book of Hebrews and, and building on that, then looking at who Satan is and knowing our foe, and then knowing how to engage with God, even in light of who Satan is through prayer. And we engage with God and we can understand how best to navigate our adversary as we pray and as we spend time with God in prayer. So in week one, we looked at the potential of prayer and the opportunity that we have for prayer Then last week, Bruce and his panel looked at some of the approaches to prayer, and this morning, we are going to look at how to respond to God's answers to us in our prayers. And our hope in this series, as as it is in every series, is that we would grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. That's our mission as a church, not just our mission, but that's the mission of a lot of churches, and, and I hope all churches that are following Jesus Christ, is that we would grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. That we would come to know him more and more each day. And so these series are designed for that. And we believe that prayer is a catalyst to growing in faith. As we talked about in week one, as we pray, our faith grows. And as our faith grows, then also our prayer life will grow. So this is a way that we can begin to know God better, that we can grow in our relationship with, with Jesus. And, and just while we're thinking about that, our mission and so on as a church, you can also pray the thinks. We have our four thinks up here which cap, encapsulate what we believe it means to be a Christian, a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, is working our way, thinking big, thinking small, thinking in, thinking out. But you can pray big, you can pray small, you can pray in, and you can pray out. So remember, we can engage in those things, and as we do, then we'll grow in our maturity, our spiritual maturity. We'll become better followers of Jesus Christ. 
So with that in mind then, we thought that it would be important this morning to just take a little bit of time to evaluate how we engage with God as he answers our prayers. As we see him answering our prayers to him, then we can learn how to engage with him and know him better by virtue of his different answers to us. So let's pray and then we'll dive in and see what we can learn. Hopefully we can learn some things this morning. Would you bow with me? Father, this morning again we stop and we say thank you for this opportunity to be here today. Thank you, Lord, that we're moving towards July the 11th and the new freedoms that we'll be able to enjoy then. I just entrust that to your care and attention even now that you'll continue to go before us and that that you would help us uh, as we navigate COVID and continue to do so and pray for those that are suffering with it even still that you would raise them back up to health and strength. This morning, Lord, as we think of prayer and as we think of how you respond to us in prayer, Lord, I just again would ask that you would help us to learn from you today, uh, that you would give us some tools that we could employ so that we could lean into our relationship with you even more, so that we would know you better, that we would be able to follow you more closely, that we would be able to also then share you better with the world around us. So to that end, I ask for your blessing on this time, and I pray these things all in Christ's name and for his sake alone. Amen. All right, so now in broad strokes, really broad strokes, we see that there are three general answers to prayer. And this isn't rocket science. I've always mentioned, said before, you'll never get rocket science from me. So this is pretty straightforward. We can get a yes from God. We can get a no from God. And we can get a wait from God. So three really broad categories of answers or responses that God can give us as we pray to him. And these obviously aren't the only answers. There are all kinds of various combinations. There can be sort of a partial yes or a partial no or, or what have you. Sometimes it's hard even to understand what the answer is, whether it's still wait or what. I've been praying for something for probably about seven going on eight years, something very specific. And it's clearly not been a yes yet, uh, but it hasn't been a no. I haven't felt released from that prayer. So I continue to pray and I continue to wait. So the thing that we need to understand here is that our prayer lives are nuanced because we're all different in our relationship with God. It's a beautiful thing about about God is that he wants to interact with each of us individually. So we can't just put everything sort of in a category, in a box, and leave it there. He wants to respond to you and your prayers specifically according to the prayers that you have and the concerns that you have in your life. And he's going to answer those according to what is best for you as you engage with him in those things. But that aside... Even as we look at these categories of answers or responses from God, we can learn from him in these things. And I think that as we do this, it'll actually take most of us deeper than we have been before in our prayer life. Because I think, my suspicion is, is that we can grow in our prayer lives. Categorically, the church, North America, FBC, and maybe even individually, for each of us as well, that we can grow in our prayer lives because I think it's something that we don't leverage nearly enough. 
And if it was a currency that we really truly understood the value of, we would think Bitcoin was cement because it's such a significant thing. So this morning, even though we're looking categorically at these responses from God, I think that we, as we engage with him categorically in these different ways, we'll grow significantly in our relationship with him. But there's one thing that we need to look at before we look at these three categorical responses, if you will. And I think it is actually the biggest problem that we face in prayer today. It's huge. I, th- I, 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 just, I think it is categorically, without question, the biggest challenge that we face in prayer today. And if we don't understand it, if we don't recognize it, then it will completely skew our understanding or our interpretation of God's response to our prayer. And in, in fact, I believe it will completely skew and distort our understanding of God himself. And so this morning, you're looking and you're maybe saying to yourself, well, what are you talking about, Doug? And I'm talking about when God doesn't hear our prayers. And at this point, maybe once again, you're saying, what are you talking about, Doug? And what I'm talking about is the fact that there are times when God does not hear our prayer, when he does not entertain our prayers. We don't like to hear that, do we? I don't want to hear about God not listening to my prayers. What's what's this? Garbage. God hears my prayers. That's actually not the case. It's not true. There are times when God does not entertain our prayers. So we need to take a look at that. We need to understand that this morning. And to do so, let's begin in Psalm 66. Psalm 66 is a psalm that was written by the psalmist in praise to God for the answered prayer, for the answer that God had given him as he had prayed. Psalm of praise. And specifically in verses 16 to 20, he focuses in and praises God and thanks him for having answered his prayer. But nestled right in the middle of those verses is verse 18 which says this the psalmist says this if i had cherished sin in my heart the lord would not have listened do you see that if i had cherished sin in my heart the lord would not have listened the, the psalmist is pouring out his praise to god for having answered his prayer But in the midst of it, he stops and reflects on the fact that if he had cherished sin in his heart, that God would not have listened. Now, hear me carefully, church family and friends, this morning. It's not saying here that if he had sinned, that God would not have listened. Because if that were the case, then God would never listen to us because we all sin. Right? So note the nuance here. Note the distinguishing factor. The psalmist says, if I had cherished sin in my heart, then God would not have listened. So this 
is referring specifically then to when we have a prayer or a, a, a sin in our lives and regardless of God, we choose to allow that sin to persist. It's when we don't deal with sin in our lives, when there's something that is so dear to us as a sin that we're not prepared to deal with it. When we're not prepared to allow God to root it out of our lives. When we willfully ignore then our sin and choose to try and pursue our relationship with God regardless of that. When you say this morning, well, Doug, that's just one little verse. You can't make a case out of just one little verse. Well, there's more verses to back it up. So let's take a little more look at this, a little bit more of an extended investigation into this so that we understand it, and I trust that you'll be convinced. Isaiah 59 verse 2 says this. Isaiah says to us, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. In John 9, verses 28 to 33, this is the story of the, of the man that Jesus healed, restored his sight. He was blind, and Christ comes along, meets this guy, and, and heals him, restores his sight. And the Pharisees drag him in to the temple and they're interrogating him because they're upset about Christ and they're trying to figure out how they're going to get rid of this Jesus guy. So they bring this guy in that's been healed, whose sight has been restored, and they're grilling him. And he keeps pointing to the fact that Jesus did this for him. So the Pharisees, we pick it up right there, then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. And the man answered. Now this is remarkable. That, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. This fellow wasn't just restored his sight. He was given spiritual insight as well. As he recognized and points out to the Pharisees who should have known better. That God listens to those that are interested in engaging with him and interested in doing his will. We see this play out in very real terms as we go back to Joshua chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7, we're going to look at verses 11 and 12, but you'll remember the story there in Joshua chapter 7. This is the story of Achan, who has stolen some things. He took some things that God told him they weren't to touch, and he's hidden them in his tent. 
And what, what this whole thing was precipitated by was they were going to invade this place called AI. And they'd sent spies out to check it out. And the spies came back and said, yeah, we only need a few of the guys. We don't have to send out all of the army. We'll be able to handle this no problem. So they send them out. Joshua sends them out. And they're routed from, by these guys in, in AI. And Joshua comes back and he's distraught. He falls on his face before God and God comes along and says, hey, why, what are you doing on your face? Get up. And he speaks into Joshua's life and into the lives of the children of Israel at that time. We pick it up right there. God says to Joshua, he says, Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen, they have lied, they have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Church family and friends. We need to understand that sin is a problem with God. Sin is a problem with God. We like to think that it isn't. We like to pretend that it's not a big deal. But it is a big deal. We try to compartmentalize it so that then we can rationalize it away. But we can't. We try to, in essence, get away with it. But God won't let us. I have a bad attitude in my life towards people. Certain people just rub me wrong or what have you. And I think that I can just continue on in that bad attitude, that I can hold that against them, that I can have that issue with them and that God won't mind. But he does. I can shave some corners at work and think, that's no big deal because it doesn't involve me and God. So I can carry on. No problem with him. But I can't. I think that I can tell some lies. I can just use that as an option. Leverage that. Because it just makes life go better, smoother anyway. And somehow think that God doesn't mind when he does. I can sleep around with my boyfriend or my girlfriend. We can shack up together. And we think to ourselves, well, God might not be really excited about it, but he's okay. He gets it. We're still good when we're not. The truth is, 
We're not. Always remember, and don't ever forget, that dealing with sin is the priority, the priority with God. Whenever he encounters it. We have to deal with the sin in our lives. Because that's the priority with God. It's his priority because God separate, or sin separates us from God. It presents a barrier. It creates a chasm between us. And so the sin in our lives has to be addressed. And until it is, then God isn't paying attention to our prayers because he's focused on dealing with the sin in our lives. That's where we start. That's where he's interested. That's where he's focused. So sure, we can play our little games with God. But don't ever for a second think that he's playing along because he's not. So this morning, therefore, as it comes to prayer then, if we are harboring sin in our lives, if there is something that we continue to do knowingly, but don't feel that it's significant enough to address, then that is hindering our prayers today. And if that is the case, and we're praying then, while I'm not addressing this issue that I have in my life, this sin in my life, and I'm praying to God, and then now I'm trying to understand and interpret His answers to me, that's going to completely skew my understanding of His answer. Because what's going to happen is going to happen and somehow then, I'm going to take my prayers and what has happened and try and correlate them to understand that as an answer from him. When in fact, he's saying, no, listen, Doug, I'm not, I'm not ready to deal with that yet because we've got to clean this up over here. So it messes us up. Messes us up. It's not an answer to our prayer at all. So this morning, when it comes to understanding and interpreting God's prayers, God's answers to our prayers, we need to understand first that he's listening to them. We need to know that he's listening to them, which means we need to understand that we've dealt with sin in our life. We need to recognize that we are dealing with that sin, that we need to deal with that sin and address it in our life in order then for God to hear our prayers and then begin to respond to them. First and foremost, let's carry on. What do we do when the answer is no? As we're praying and we get an answer of no from God, and there are lots of different reasons as to why God might say no to us in our prayers. Maybe we're praying with some sort of a selfish motive and therefore on account of that wrong motive God says well no I can't answer that prayer or it could be that we haven't legitimately prayed about, about it I, I think this is another problem for us 
I think that we're, we've been sort of indoctrinated or acclimatized to the idea that we can just sort of throw up a two-bit prayer to God and somehow he's going to bite. When in fact we need to actually get down on our knees and pray about some things. Spend some time with God in that. More than just some sort of a Hail Mary pass that we throw up every once in a while. And there are other reasons that he might say no. But for the sake of this morning then, this just for the sake of this morning, let's just assume that we're right before God, that what we're praying for is legitimate, and that we have actually legitimately prayed to him. Okay, so that we're on board. And let's take a look at it from that perspective. So say, for example, we've been praying for someone's health or something like that. Or maybe we've been praying for someone's salvation. And the answer becomes apparent that it's a no. Well, in, the, in that situation, then Paul points us to something really clearly that becomes, I think, sort of our first way of addressing that response from God. He points it to us in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8 and 9. And you'll remember that passage. That's where Paul has got some sort of an, a challenge or an issue in his life that he's been praying to God about. And God has responded, no. So we pick it up there. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that, the, that, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Sometimes the answer to our prayers has to be no so that we have a way to understand and experience God's grace in our lives. Sometime we're going to have to do a series just on grace and talk about God's grace because it just blows your mind. But let me tell you this this morning, just for the sake of our, our, our limited time. I have grown the most in my relationship with God through His grace, in understanding His grace and what that means. And most of those circumstances have come and answered no, no, ans no answers to my prayers. When, when I've prayed for something, when I've wanted something, when I've asked to be released from something or for something to be resolved or finished or fixed for me, and God comes along and says, no, Doug, but my grace is sufficient for you, I can tell you that there's a God because I understand it because of his grace. If it had been just a yes answer, it would have been a yes answer, and I'm sure I would have gone on but having to had to wrestle through the no and yet somehow be able to come through it and understand that he is there, that he loves me just the same, that he is providing for me anyway in different ways. And as, as I've experienced that grace, then I've been able to grow in my relationship with him and I've been able to come to understand him better and to trust him more, which leads me to the next point. When we get a no, then we need to trust, exercise trust. Isaiah 26, verse 3 and 4 say this, you will, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast 
because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. This is God speaking. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We like to think that we understand things, don't we? We like to be able to look at the circumstances of our lives and be able to fit them together and package them in a package that we can understand, that we can predict, that we can control, or what have you. And God comes along, and over and over through Scripture, he keeps telling us, hey, listen, guys, I'm not on your level. I'm playing with a, a, a way bigger map, a whole different scope. So you need to trust me on this. And when we get a no, then it gives us an opportunity to lean in and go, okay, God, I don't understand. I can't understand how this wouldn't be within your will, but I'm going to trust you and I'm going to keep going. Which leads us then to the next one. How do we respond when the answer from God is, well, wait, wait. And in that circumstance, what we want to do, first of all, is persevere. I'm going to keep going. And how do we persevere? Well, first of all, we persevere in prayer. Colossians 4, verse 2, it says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. We have to persist. And we continue to pray about whatever it is. I mentioned before, for going on eight years now, I've been praying for something. And I continue to pray for that daily. And I trust that maybe around the corner, the wait will turn into a yes. But until then, I keep praying. Luke 18, verses 1 to 8, I mentioned this in week 1. It's the parable of the persistent widow. It says this, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who, was ne who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that, see that they get justice and quickly. When the answer is wait, we persist. And then secondly, we're patient. 
Psalm 37, verse 7a says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. One of the only ways I know to learn patience is to have to wait. And again, as we come to God with our requests, and especially in this immediate society of ours, we want the answers now. But that's not always God's timeline, and he has a purpose and a plan for what he's doing. And so as we pray, we continue patiently waiting for him to answer. Third thing that we do when the answer is wait, we reflect. 1 John 3, verses 21 and 22 say this, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what he pleases. This is an interesting verse. And it opens up this question. If our hearts do not condemn us, which reminds me, where's my heart? Is there something in my heart that isn't right with God? So as I get this wait answer, as it's not happening, it's this big billboard for me to stop and reflect and go, okay, God, is there something in my life? Search my heart and renew my heart where it needs to be renewed because something might be impacting your ability to answer my prayer. So it's an opportunity to reflect. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter 3, verse 7. It's just such practical advice. He says their husbands, speaking specifically to husbands, but it doesn't have to be just the guys here in this. In the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. As we're waiting for an answer from God, stop and reflect. Reflect on your heart. Reflect on your relationship with those around you. How are you treating them? How are you living out your life? How are you going about your day? Is there something that you are doing that is hindering your prayers to God so that he can't answer you yet? Lastly, this morning, and quickly, what do we do when the answer is yes? Well, first of all, we praise him. Psalm 34, verses 3 to 4 says, Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all my fears. As we seek the Lord, and as he answers us, then we exalt him. We praise him. Psalm 66 Verses 19 and 20, the last half of the passage that I pointed to earlier. Psalmist says, but God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. As God says yes, then we need to go back and praise him. But we also need to go back and give him thanks. Luke 17, verses 9, 11 to 19. This is the 
story of the ten lepers. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. These guys were standing there. This was all in person, but it was a prayer to God. Have pity on us, they said to Jesus as he walked by. That's the same as us praying for something in our lives. And as God responded and healed them, only one remembered to come back and thank the Lord. We're so much the same, aren't we? You know, I pray every week before I speak that God would help me deliver something that would be of value. And oftentimes I'll get all, almost all the way home or all the way home or even later into the afternoon before I say thanks, thanks for helping me get through that. You know what I'm talking about because you go home and you forget to thank the Lord that he helped you get through another one of my messages, right? Right? That's right. We forget to thank God. We get that yes answer and we are just off and running. We need to remember to go back and thank the Lord. Psalm 118 verse 21a says, I will give you thanks for you answered me. And that last Versus a little bit of a trick this morning. Because the long and the short of it is, is that we don't just praise God and we just don't thank him when he, he says yes to us. As we pray to God, and as he gives us a no, a maybe, a wait, a yes, we thank him in everything. We need to learn to thank him and praise him in everything because what he is doing for us is good. And it's right. And we need to, as we pray and as we wait for his answers, we need to lean into him. And as we do, we will know him more. You will know him in your life as he answers you in the way specific to you and what you're praying. He will prove himself to you. He will demonstrate himself to you, and you will grow in your faith. This morning, just as we close, a couple of really practical reminders. Some of you have taken prayer cards for the camp staff out there. Don't just take the cards. Make sure you take them home. Put them somewhere prominent in your world so that you can remember to pray for them daily. And also, if you're here and part of FBC, one of the things that we ask everyone to be doing is to find three people in your life, three people in your, wor in your world that don't know Jesus yet and be praying for them. I pray that you would continue to pray for them. Find those three people that God brings to your mind that don't know him yet and keep praying for them. And we trust that as we pray that God will answer and that sometimes he's going to answer with a yes and that we'll see them make decisions for him.
Let's pray as we close. Father, this morning again, God, thank you for this opportunity of prayer. Thank you for the privilege that we have of coming directly to you. And Lord, as we do and as you answer us, I pray that now that you would help us to respond to you in ways that would grow us. Help us, God, to engage in this area of prayer more than just on a, some sort of a token level. But that we, that we would lean into you in this process and that you would be able to then build into us. That as we draw near to you, that you would draw near to us and that you would change us, that you would make us your people. And that we would follow even more closely after you as you guide and direct us through your answers. And I ask these things now all in Christ's name and for his sake alone. Amen. Well, thank you again for coming. For the second last time, we're going to ask you to depart according to the protocols and so on and so forth required of us. Um, before I do that, just, hey, next week we're starting the second sort of this part B to this series. It's called Prayers of Biblical Proportion. We're going to be starting to look at some of the cool things about prayer in Scripture, some of the specific prayers in Scripture. Um, and it's going to be great. We're going to do that through the rest of the summer. I'm already looking ahead to some of the messages I'm doing, and it's been awesome. So I trust that it's been great for me anyway. So I hope it's going to be good for you. Uh, so don't miss out on those. So on Monday, tomorrow, don't forget to register for next week. And we'll look forward to that. Mm -hmm.